been talking about the subject of prayer for, well, I don't know, three months, I'm sure. And uh, so we started out by uh, looking at a message entitled, A Prayer Request from Jesus. And, uh, boy, that ought to get our attention uh, whenever he makes a request that we pray. We talked about victory through prayer and whether or not prayer could save America. We talked about the church being a house of prayer, and we talked about prayer in the early church, the importance of prayer, being devoted to prayer, the different aspects of prayer, hindrances to prayer, the key to prayer, the perspectives related to prayer. Tonight, we're going to talk about, and I was tempted, I've got a, I've got a sermon that I've preached before, uh, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. And it relates somewhat to this chapter, uh, but it's not the same. But anyway, I, I'm not going to go there tonight, but that's what this has to do with. It's, uh, it's Daniel's Delay, the title of the message, Daniel's Delay. I wish I had time to read the entire chapter. In fact, I thought long and hard about doing just that because I want you to be familiar with it. But then I know that I'm going to need to comment on it. And so, for time's sake, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I will, in the opening remarks, review it for you. You can follow along or uh, just listen, and I'll cover the material that's here uh, without reading all of it. But look at verse number 12, and um, we'll confine our reading of the Scripture to verse 12, 13, and 14. Then said... He unto me, fear not, Daniel, uh, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief uh, princes, came to help me. And I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Now, to really understand this, we need to, to consider the circumstances that existed. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Daniel, and so that'll save us a lot of time. But Daniel and other young men, of course, had been carried away into captivity when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, conquered Jerusalem. And so while they're there in that foreign country, and, and sometimes we read that or mention that and just slough it off as, you know, it's really no big deal. But you try to put yourself in his sandals and think about being taken away from your loved ones into a foreign country, and there you're forced to live under the iron heel of a foreign power, and that's what's going on in Daniel's life. But while he's there, Daniel Daniel has been reading the Word of God, and we're going to refer to that here in just a little bit. But he's been reading what Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote related to these people. And Jeremiah had told the people that after they were conquered, that the captivity would be for 70 years. 
And it was that glorious promise that kept the lamp of hope burning for him and for others all during that time. If you listen, look back to chapter 9, for example, and verse number 2, it says, And in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood, now listen to this, I've underlined this in my Bible, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he has been inspired by the promise of God's word. Now, when we come to chapter 10 of Daniel, we see that those 70 years have now expired. The Medes and the Persians have conquered Babylon And we also discover that it's been, now think about this, after that 70-year period there, it's been about two years, in fact, at least two years since Cyrus, the king of Persia, had agreed to permit the Jews to return to Jerusalem. And the sad thing is, not all of the Jews wanted to return. Now, keep in mind that, you know, some, some of them have been there all of this time, and there are others that have been born while they're there or whatever. But, but the sad thing is, when the time comes that you can go back to your homeland, a lot of them don't want to go back. And, boy, there is a story in, in and of itself concerning that matter, and we need to think a lot about that. So they've become quite comfortable where they are. And uh, so there they are. But Daniel's heart is broken because of this, and uh, consequently he begins to pray. And, and it, you know, it's heartbreaking. Now, he's an old man now, probably, probably 90 years old at this point, if not close to it. And he's been in Babylon since he was a young man. And I'm certain that he, you know, he missed those lush green hills of, of his homeland. And there in Babylon, it was a totally different landscape from what I've read. It was flat and arid and dry and so forth. And in most of it, and not at all like what he had experienced back in his hometown area. And uh, so there was no reason now why the nation could not be restored, why they could not go back except for the stubborn attitude of the people. And that's the thing that drove Daniel to his knees. You know, we talk quite often about it, and I'm sure you heard the news about Benghazi today, and thank God somebody finally, you know, got it nailed down with proof, uh, irrefutable evidence, I think, that uh, that the State Department was negligent. And, of course, we all know it goes much further than that, but... When you think about the condition of America, and you know it doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. And you know, the, and, and I thought about this quite often. We, we all like to put all of the blame, you know, on the doorstep of, uh, of the president or Hillary or whoever else, you know. And, and the fact of the matter is, America as a whole is to blame because People in America put them in those positions. That's how they got there. So Obama doesn't frighten me. It's the average common voter out here that scares me to death. Because, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. It could be so very much different. But 
due to a lot of factors, we, uh, they have become content to stay where they are. And where are we? <laughs> uh, we're stuck in the middle, so to speak, right? I mean, you know, it's like I talked to someone the other day, and they said, but what are we supposed to do? What can we do? You know, and, uh, well, we can pray. And that's what Daniel is doing. A Daniel, you know, could have just thrown his hands up in despair and said, oh, well, they don't want to go back, you know, and the rest of us, just a few of us, why, you know, we can't do it all by ourselves. We've got to have the cooperation of everybody. And so this, this, this burden drove him to his knees. And here in the early part of the chapter, we see that he had a vision. And, and this vision takes place on the, if you look about verse number four and five and six, it takes place on the 24th day of the first month. Well, now remember that the Passover occurred on the 14th day of that month. And so it, it's only logical to assume that he has had that on his mind all of this time. They've just been celebrating their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. And now here they are in bondage to the to the. I guess you would say to themselves, really, but the Medes and Persians overthrew the Babylonians, and here they are still living in bondage and celebrating a bondage of the past. That You know, that makes no more sense than you and I observing the Lord's Supper and celebrating what Christ has done for us and the freedom that we have in Christ, and then turn right around and live in the bondage of sin. It makes no sense whatsoever. But that's what's going on, and that's what's on His mind. They They've just celebrated the Passover two weeks, uh, two, two weeks, was it, or 24th? Yeah, two weeks, uh, two weeks earlier. And uh, so he's broken hearted. And now he's been praying for three long weeks. Not just praying, but if you'll read, you'll notice he's been mourning and fasting. And I mean, he is afflicting himself in this matter of prayer. Well, finally, in verse number 5, there is a breakthrough, and notice it describes someone here as a certain man, and obviously from what you read, this is, is an angel that appeared, remember the word angel is messenger, and this messenger, angel from God, appeared to instruct Daniel that his prayers had been heard on the very first day. Now, now get this, he has been dispatched to deliver the answer. Twenty-one days earlier, this angel is on his way with the message, and he says, as I was on my way, I had a conflict, he says, with the, with the uh, prince of the kingdom of Persia. And, and, and it's quite obvious that's not speaking about a literal earthly king. The context makes that clear. But it was not until Michael, the archangel, came that he was able to go on and answer Daniel's prayer. And so I want you to listen very carefully whenever we think about his story and, and what a great mystery it is that you and I at times will be praying about something that we know, we know is the will of God. And as we're praying about it, we know that we're doing our best to live our life in the will of God. I mean, here is a broken-hearted man, and we're not talking about just any man. We're talking about a man who has maintained purity in his life, a man that loves God with all of his heart, a man that's not just praying, but he is fasting, and he's doing absolutely everything he can 
and still there is no answer. And there's no answer because there's a spiritual conflict going on. So in this story, I want you to notice three things tonight. Number one, the delay factor. The delay factor. You know, sometimes we assume that just because our prayers are not answered immediately, you know, like we would, like we would desire, that's, you know, like the fellow that prayed for patience and he said, I want them right now. And so that's the way most of us are. We want what we want and we want it right now. And a lot of times, you know, we think that, uh, that God must not have heard us or either that or God doesn't care. And, uh, we need to realize that there is never a time when God does not hear the prayer of a Spirit-filled believer. Anyone living their life under the control of the Spirit of God, anybody living their life in the will of God, when they pray, God hears. And uh, we can depend on that because just knowing that God is aware of our prayer is a great encouragement for us to keep praying. But the fact of the matter is, God doesn't always grant our requests. Now, like somebody said, God always answers prayer. He either says yes or no or wait. You know, and, and that's true. So don't assume that just because God doesn't do something right now, that that it means that God's not going to do something later on. And so uh, there can be a delay in you getting your prayers answered. So consider the delay factor. Secondly, consider the demon factor in this regards. God heard Daniel's prayer on the first day, it says, and he sent a messenger on that day. But it says here that he was hindered by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, you see, this is giving us a glimpse of the spiritual conflict that's going on in the spirit world. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. That could not refer to Cyrus, the king of Persia, or any other earthly king. And and, and the, the amazing thing about this is the angel is on his way to give the answer to Daniel... And he is hindered to think about this because the Bible says in Second Kings chapter number 19 speaks about one angel. Think of this. One angel that by himself killed 185,000 Assyrians. So think about the power that one angel has. I, I don't know how many angels there are, but one angel can kill 185,000 men all by himself. He has the power to do that. But yet here is an angel that does not have the power to be able to get there without any assistance. He can't get to Daniel. Why? Because there's a spiritual conflict going on. And and so as we pray, we need to always be mindful of that. And I think maybe the best reminder of all is what Paul says over in Ephesians in chapter number 6 and verse number 12 especially... 
He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now remember, the Bible calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. It calls him the prince of the devils. And so that's the way that the Lord describes the devil. And Paul says... We are in a spiritual warfare, and we forget about that far too often, that there's a spiritual warfare taking place. But I want you to notice the word principalities there, and notice that is in the plural. The, the meaning of the word is government, or in the plural, governments. And so he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what? Against principalities. We are wrestling against governments as it were. I believe, based on this and everything else that the Bible teaches that I know of re- relating to that, it's my belief that Satan has appointed a fallen angel over each of the world governments so as to influence those governments for evil. I think that, by the way, we think about let me try to picture the best president that you can think of in your lifetime. You know, a lot of people say Reagan, greatest president, you know, maybe we've ever had, or since Washington, the greatest president we've ever had, and so forth. But do you think he did not meet with any resistance whatsoever? And then we look at, we look at our president today, and it's like I've said so many times, and I'm going to repeat myself again, and I said it to somebody today, we were talking about it, and and I've said, you could take the average ordinary person out here off, off of the street and just sit down and say, look, now, here's the problem we're facing, and uh, what do you think the solution is? You'll get a better answer than you will from the politicians. What they do is not logical, not reasonable. There's no other word for it other than just absolutely stupid, some of the things they do. I seldom listen to Rush Limbaugh anymore, but today I happened to be in the car and had the radio on, was listening to Rush, and he was dealing with some certain things, and he was laying out the the, the logic of it and so forth. And that's when I made the comment uh, about, you know, People today, anybody can sit down and figure it out. But for some reason, our government leaders just don't get it. Well, I know what the reason is, folks. There's a spiritual warfare going on, and keep this in mind. Whenever we talk about people that are unsaved, the Bible says they're taken captive by the devil at his will. That is a scary thought. And, and that's why, you know, America cannot survive without the prayers of God's people. Because if we have an unsaved president, regardless of whether his name, you know, is Obama or Bush or Reagan or whoever it is, if he's unsaved, he's living his life under the power of Satan and he's pulling the strings. And so this is the situation we're in. That's the situation that was going on at this time. And um, maybe you're thinking, well, I wish you'd give me a better explanation. Well, I wish somebody would give me a better explanation. I wish I could understand it better. I don't understand all that there is to know about spiritual warfare. 
nobody does. But I know that it's real because that's what the Bible teaches. And so whenever we look at these things, and remember, we're never allowed to go beyond what the Word of God reveals. That that's as far as we can go. And that's why we should never get to the point that we are afraid to admit. I don't know. I don't know. Because God doesn't give us the answer to everything. But let me give you six things, and I've got to do this really quick. Six things that I do know, uh, and I know because of what the Bible teaches. Number one, man is a spirit clothed in a body. You are a spirit clothed in the body. The real you is not the body you're living in. That's, you know, that's just the house you live in. If you drive by 11319 Ashwood Drive and, you know, the house where we live, you can't say, well, there's Brother Stone. No, that's not me. That's the house. I live in the house. The real you lives in a body. So keep in mind, the real you is a spirit being. Number two, believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, He enables us to pray as we ought to. Don't ever lose sight of that. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. Number three, prayer is a spiritual activity where our spirit and through the Holy Spirit we're able to communicate with God who is spirit. Are you with me? In, in, in other words, if I pray as it were in the flesh, if, 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 I, if I don't pray from the innermost part of me, and remember, man's made up of three parts. There's the body, that's the seat of world consciousness. There's the soul, that's the seat of self-conscious, mind, will, and, and emotion. And then there's the spirit, that's the seat of God consciousness. And, and the prayers that come from me have to come from my spirit, And under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, if God, the Great Spirit, is going to answer. And so it's important that we understand. That's why just some little half-hearted prayer, you know, just praying is a formality, out of tradition, because it's our turn to pray, that's not going to get the job done. It's got to go much deeper than that. And boy, a great example is what is what Daniel is doing. He is afflicting himself. I mean, he's hurting himself in prayer. Prayer is work. Prayer is warfare. And we've talked about that already. Number four, Satan and his fallen angels are sinful spiritual beings who oppose God's people. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. A spiritual enemy, an enemy that you can't see, you can't feel, you can't touch. And we need to be aware of that. Number five, victory for the believer comes only through the means of prayer. Uh, By the power of God and because of the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. Victory for the Christian comes only through the means of prayer, by the power of God, and because of the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Were He not there, were He not there at the right hand of the Father interceding before us, we could never get through to God. Thank God we have an intercessor. Amen? And the sixth thing is, which I've already said in other messages over and over again, we pray or we lose. We pray or we lose. We pray 
or we're defeated. I don't care how well you can sing, how well you can preach, how much money you can give, or anything else you do. Regardless of what we do as a church, we can be the most talented church on the face of this earth, and we're going to fail. We are going to fail if we don't pray. We've got to pray. I mean, we have no other option. We've got to pray. So, now, lastly, I want you to consider the determination factor. And I can't help but wonder how Daniel must have felt. <laughs> As the days dragged on, you know, and there, there, there's no answer to his prayer. It seems like the heavens are as brass. There's no answer. There's no indication that God hears him whatsoever. And remember, here is a man who loves God passionately, who obeyed God implicitly, who served God courageously. In other words, if anyone had a reason to believe that their prayers were going to be answered, it was Daniel. I mean, if Daniel can't get through to God, if Daniel's prayers can't make a difference, why, who can? And yet the days pass by, one after another after another, and there's no sign that his prayer had been heard. So, you know, I can only imagine what those days must have been like for Daniel if I read it right, he, remember, hadn't been eating or anything, and uh, so he's depriving himself. So he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's tired, and he's sad. And in all of that, we see evidence of his sincerity. I mean, this guy's not playing games. He is, he is as serious as you can get. And still, there's no answer that comes. So the days drag on and on and on. Finally, finally, on the 21st day, the answer comes. Now, the lesson in this for us is that Daniel didn't give up. You know, Daniel could have, Daniel could have said, you know, the very next day, he could have said, well, I, I you know, I, I guess God doesn't care. I, I guess God must be dead. I, you know, I guess God's not going to answer my prayer. But he didn't. He kept praying. And the days go by and the weeks go by. And the lesson for us is that we pray or we lose. And remember what Jesus said in Luke 18. He said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint. We ought to always pray, never faint. And after that, he gives the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. It's a great story. Maybe, maybe later on we might look at that story. But it's a wonderful story about this, this widow who is going before an unjust judge. And, uh, I mean, she, uh, she has absolutely no rights there as far as he is concerned anyway. And uh, he's not indebted to her in his mind. But she just nags him to death. I mean, she won't quit. She just keep badgering him over and over again. Until finally, just to get rid of her, said, you know, give her whatever she wants. Just get her out of here. Now, that doesn't mean that judge is like God. That's not the moral of the story. That's not the point. The moral of the story is, is don't give up. And that's what the Lord is telling us. When we're praying, we ought not to give up. This is the great essential in all that we do. The key to effective prayer is what? We talked about that abiding in Christ, being persistent. Remember that word abiding? As I talked about it, it means to live there, to dwell there, to stay there. 
And as we stay in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be praying. And as we pray, we've got every reason to believe that in God's time, although He might not do what we expect or what we desire or request, He'll do what is right and what is best. And you know, if, if, if we know that's going to be the end result of our prayer, we ought to be able to, to live with that. Amen? E- even if it's not what we desired. I'm sure we can all think of different things that, that we prayed about. And it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out. Didn't turn out that way with Brother Ron and Peggy and the family and whenever all of us, when we were praying for Doug, that, that didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to be. But for some, for some reason known only to God, God wanted Doug there instead of here. You see. And I'll tell you, I, I, I gotta say, Brother Ron and Peggy, boy, they, I mean, and I know they've had, they've had, uh, Hard times like any parent would, broken hearted and what have you, but they've handled it like troopers and, and the only reason they've been able to is because they know that even though God didn't do exactly what they wanted him to do, that God had a different plan. Can you imagine John the Baptist when he was beheaded? That wasn't because he was out of the will of God. That's not because he had done anything wrong. And remember, I mean, here's a man who has loved ones and and yet his life is taken seemingly prematurely. And um, so I'm glad that if we persist in prayer like Daniel did, that we can get the victory. And it's so wonderful whenever we look at the whole story. And he, he goes on and uh, notice verse number 18. It says, Then there came again... Uh, I can't hardly read that word. I've got a tear in my Bible. Someone help me here. Again, and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. And then said to see, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Boy, you talk about getting a message that you need from heaven. Boy, that's it. I mean, that was all he needed to keep him going. And I'm telling you folks, whenever you pray, don't give up. Don't give a, you say, well, yeah, but preacher, I've been praying for an unsaved daughter or unsaved son or somebody you've been praying for that's lost. Admittedly, let's don't guess about it. Let's suppose they admit that they are lost. You've been praying for them for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and there's no difference. 
And, and, and you know it's just a matter of time till they die and you fear they're going to die without Christ. And nothing has changed after all of this time. Do you ever stop to think they might be saved either on their deathbed or they might be saved after you're dead and gone? Don't you dare give up. Whenever you're praying and you know that what you're praying for is the thing that the Spirit of God has laid on your heart, you keep praying, bombarding heaven with your prayers. And uh, and when you do so, when you do so, you've got reason to believe it's going to turn out for the best in the end. Everything depends on it. Well, thank you for being here and your attention tonight. Lord willing, I'm not sure exactly where we'll go, but we've got another few weeks on prayer, and then we'll move on to a different study. But I, I hope you'll stay with us. Anyone have a comment, question, or something maybe?